everyone. It's Christina Herrick, produce editor for The Packer here with another Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Once again, talking about sustainability trends for 2024. Joining me today is Karen Ficken-McNeese, the Director of Sustainability Programs at Measure to Improve. Thanks for joining me, Kieran. So we're talking sustainability, um, and I know you were just a part of the Packer 25, and so that was a big part of your conversation. So maybe let's go into some details. What are some of the trends that we're looking at for next year? You know, this is that time of year when we always talk about future trends, what's happening next year. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing and hearing about uh, sustainability? Absolutely. So one of the biggest trends that we're seeing right now is really around expanded reporting requirements. And so that can mean at the state level. So there are various regulations around um, disclosing additional information on greenhouse gas emissions. So for companies of a particular size, there's a new law in California. um, I believe that's SB 253 that mandates greenhouse gas emissions disclosures for companies doing over a billion dollars of revenue um, and to do business in the state. And so there are um, some legal requirements, but we've also seen an expansion around buyer requirements for reporting. And so companies may find that their buyers are asking more questions or more detailed questions about sustainability and specifically around sustainability data in the next year than they have seen before. And we actually saw some sort of shadows of that over the last few years. So in 2023, that was the first year that we saw Walmart asking for a full carbon footprint. And I don't have any reason to think that they won't ask for that again last year. Um, And the the trend really is that these requests get more complicated, um, more involved, not less over time. So where are these um, requests coming from? Obviously, you kind of alluded to that they're obviously coming from regulations, but, you know, what... Who's like the bottom line where this is coming from? Is this coming from the consumer or, you know, where where is this coming from? Yeah, it's certainly something that is coming at least in part from consumer demand. There is increasing interest in understanding what it takes to create products of all kinds and produce is just one of them. And so many, many industries are feeling a push on sustainability to learn more about the impacts of products, to learn more about the carbon footprint of products. And produce is not an exception to that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what else are you hearing in terms of sustainability? I know um, I've had some conversations for the story ahead of time. And, you know, some of it's been some sustainable packaging. Obviously, that's another big part of it. So, um, you know, is there anything in there that you'd like to share about like packaging and sustainability trends? Yeah, uh, there is definitely a lot of interest in sustainable packaging. That is another one that we've seen additional restrictions on, whether that's uh, new labeling requirements, um, buyers and retailers pushing for the how-to-recycle label or other kinds of labeling um, are certainly something that we've seen an uptick in. And again, those are often really, they're doable things, but they take some work and they take some planning. So they're not the sort of thing that you can turn around and put out all new totally recyclable packaging in like a two month period, right? This this takes time. We have to plan for it um, and we have to kind of put it in the loop. Yeah. And, you know, in your Packer 25 interview, it also kind of sounded like, I, I dare I say that sustainability is a sustainable trend for next year, but that just seems like it's it's more of a conversation than maybe what we've heard about before. Or a- am I wrong in, in saying that or thinking that? Sustainability is not going away. Um, sustainability is 
still something that consumers are interested in. And as long as consumers are interested, that means that buyers and retailers will be interested. It means that regulators will be interested. So with sustainability still being something that consumers want to see and want to know more about, it's going to, the questions are going to keep coming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good. Thank you. That's kind of, because it was kind of an interesting interview where that was like part of what you were talking about is that it's such a big part of the industry now that, dare I say that it's a it's a trend, but you know, it's obviously, you're right. Like you said, it's not going anywhere. Um. So what else should our readers know and think about sustainability into the next year? And, you know, we can we can go a few years down the road. This is kind of that time of year, again, where we talk about next year, but we're also looking ahead. So what should our readers know and think about in terms of sustainability or, or maybe start paying attention to next year because they'll have bigger impacts in the future? Yeah. So one piece that we can think about is engaging with your supply chain. So we know that produce does not grow all by itself. Um, so if you are a produce company that grows, you might not pack. If you are a packer or a marketer, you might not grow the product yourself. Some companies do all of the things, um, but some don't. And that means that we need to be thinking about how we work together across this because we don't all have all the answers. And the person who gets the question might not be the person who has access to the information that they need to answer a question about the sustainability of a product. They might not have been responsible for that part of, of processing your growing. And this is true as well when it comes to packaging, because you probably, even if you are doing growing, packing and shipping, you are probably not also making your own packaging. And so you have to work with your packaging vendors to help understand the various characteristics, um, what your goals are around sustainable packaging, um, and then bringing all of that information together. So packaging is one with a really clear example of why we have to work together but this applies to other parts of the supply chain as well. And when we think about these additional reporting requirements that we talked about, that becomes its own question too. How do we report on things that happened in the life cycle of a product, but maybe didn't happen when we had um, sort of control of the product? And so we have to be able to draw that connection across the supply chain. That's really interesting. And, and obviously that's an important part of both sustainability and just obviously being in the industry is just a little bit more of that transparency or understanding of the entire uh, food chain. I guess that's not really what I want to say, but um, I guess supply chain uh, within food. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, well, what else? What else should I know or think about, you know, what, and, and obviously this is a very narrow conversation where we're talking about trends for 2024 and a little bit into the future. But what else should I be including in this article? What else should I know and think about that I'm not asking you? Yeah. So one thing that we should talk about is just greenhouse gas emissions generally. The reporting requirements are growing quite a bit. California has new requirements. At some point in the future, we expect the SEC will come out with their rules and requirements. So publicly traded companies will have rules around what they need to disclose. Now, while that doesn't apply directly to lots of companies in the produce space because they're not public, they may sell to public companies. And in fact, they almost certainly do. And in that case, depending on exactly what the SEC rules are, they may get caught in needing to report something to a publicly traded company that is that these rules do apply to. So it's expansive, right? Greenhouse gas emissions in particular sort of stretches yeah. across 
even when maybe it's not your, you're not reporting directly. Yeah. So this is something that we're going to keep seeing more and more companies asking for. And it, it's something that a number of produce companies are trying to get a handle on. Yeah. And obviously that for large companies, it's, it's a big deal just because there's so many elements within uh, their operation that probably fall in that greenhouse gas uh, reporting. Um, so as you were talking, I, I was thinking about just kind of the, the ripple effect of reporting. So obviously, like you said, if it's a publicly traded company, there might be some regulations there. And then that has a trickle down effect to those companies that sell to a publicly traded company. But do you also think that it's it's highly possible that you know, consumers will see the reporting for those companies that fall under that umbrella and then have those same expectations for those companies that don't fall under that umbrella? It's certainly possible. And we also know that for some kinds of regulations, and I don't want to speak specifically about the ones in question here, but um, sometimes these become a process where we start with the biggest companies. And then as the process gets a little bit clearer and the rules get a little bit clearer and people have a little more time, we see a phase in and other kinds of companies are asked to report. So I don't know what the plans are. Um, the SEC rules are not even written at this point, um, or I shouldn't say they're not written, they're not public yet. And so they may be written, but we're we're not sure what the final form will look like. Yeah. Um, whatever they require is likely to be seen as a, as a standard that um, other companies might be interested in modeling their reporting after, even if they're not obligated to yeah, and and thank you for indulging me there because I think what I was was trying to get at, and and I think you went along with it, is you know, for a, a lot of consumers, I I would assume, you know, they're not going to really care if it's publicly traded or not publicly traded or fall under that. They're just going to want some of that information if it's being available, you know, for companies that fall under that umbrella. But like you said, it this is obviously a very hypothetical situation where we have to see how the rules turn out and then how that trickle down effect happens. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, another good trend we're thinking about is around regenerative or sometimes we're hearing the word climate smart agriculture coming out. Um, those terms are still they're they're being used in a lot of different ways. And there's not solid consensus on exactly what we mean when we say regenerative at this point. And there are some efforts to put together proper definitions and kind of get people aligned on what we mean when we say this. But that's certainly a big uh, trend in this space right now as well. There are uh, There is a lot of funding out there at the moment, um, especially through the USDA, to help to trial some of these climate smart practices or regenerative practices, depending on who you're talking to and the language. Um, but the good news um, when we think about sort of the longer term trajectory is that those kinds of practices, regenerative, soil health, climate smart type practices, that sort of suite of terms, they are the sorts of practices that can take some time to see the results of. They may not be instantaneous results. And so as we are thinking about these trends, we also want to be thinking about when we see the, the results and the payout from implementing new practices around regenerative agriculture or um, doing more cover cropping or or whatever your practice is, there's a whole set of them that might fall into this category. But um, they don't, you don't see the results overnight. Yeah, and th and that is really interesting within um, 
agriculture. And I was even thinking of, of like using biological products. That's a lot of what you hear too. It's not an overnight solution, but it's more looking um, holistically at the crop. And and so, yeah, obviously regenerative, same, same idea where it's, you're looking big picture and, and down the down the road as opposed to just an instant gratification. But obviously, yeah, I, I have heard more about uh, regenerative agriculture. I've been seeing that more and more. So obviously, yeah, that's a great trend to uh, include. I didn't have a whole lot of questions for you. I just kind of wanted to pick your brain, talk yeah. to you and kind of see where the conversation went. So what else am I missing? What else should I be thinking about? Yeah, um, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good set. Um, sometimes we think about transparency as a trend in and of itself. Um, it's sort of the, the uber trend over reporting and carbon emissions and all of these other pieces, right? The supply chain engagement. Um, when we talk about transparency, we're talking about a number of different things that kind of sit under it. Yeah. Reporting is one kind. Um, you might report publicly, you might report internally, you might have two really different reports for those two different audiences. Um, but finding ways to talk about the work that you are doing in sustainability to a variety of audiences. And remembering that, you know, we think of our external stakeholders most of the time. We think of what our buyers want. We think of what our customers want. But our employees are a stakeholder too. And they are interested in knowing what you are doing on sustainability. They like to know that they work for a company that is thinking long-term that is thinking about sustainability and that is trying to have a, a positive impact through the work that they do. And so it's easy to get kind of focused on those external stakeholders because they are louder sometimes. They are a little bit more demanding. Um, but our internal stakeholders, our team members, our employees, our staff, um, they also have um, a stake in this and are interested in knowing how we can um, do better in the world. Absolutely. That's a great point. And, you know, in, in a previous role that I worked in, um, I focused a lot on like understanding the, the upcoming generations in terms of in the workforce. And that's a, that's a big part of it is understanding that. And I would say open book management, but this kind of goes more into transparency where, you know, they care about companies that, you know, take care of okay i'm i was going somewhere with that um yeah. you know but they they have a bigger it, it, a, a job is not just a job to employees and obviously you know the ag wants to attract as many workers as we can and keep people in the industry and so if companies are more open about what they're doing and a lot of companies are doing great things they just don't really talk about it um, you know, that's just going to help attract people to their company to work and to stay. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, I love the way that you phrase that, that, you know, we think about sometimes the loudest stakeholders, but there's also a stakeholder there that we need to, to be thinking about. Um, so, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Well, and it's a way that we can hold ourselves accountable, right? Mm -hmm. We sometimes have clients who you know, we would we would much prefer that you hit your goal. Um, but we often say that even if you don't, right, even if you're going to come up short on your goal, it's so important that that doesn't just come out of the conversation. You say, well, we're not going to talk about that goal anymore because we didn't hit it. No, can't, can't say anything. 
Um, it's much more powerful to say, hey, we didn't hit that goal this month, right? We were shooting for this number and we didn't get there. Here's why and here's what we're going to do differently. The amount of information you want to give to each stakeholder is going to be different yeah. depending on who you're talking to. But if you have goals that your employees can help with, uh, a good example of that is if you have a, a goal around waste diversion and you're trying to reduce the amount of material you're sending to landfill. If you're not hitting your goals, you have to make sure your employees know that if they're working in a space that's not performing, right? You want to be able to say, hey, let's sit down together as a team. Let's figure out what's not working. Yeah. Is it because you didn't get enough training or you didn't know or because we didn't have the right containers or is it because of something else? Like, let's talk about your work process flow. Did you not have time to do this? How do we... How do we improve over time as we as we work towards these goals? So even when we miss the mark, it's an opportunity for us to sort of revisit and say, hey, why? Why did we miss this goal? What can we do to improve over time? And you're involving them in, in the conversation that they're part of the solution. So why wouldn't they be a part of the conversation? I just want to say thank you. Kieran Ficken McNeese, Director of Sustainability Programs at Measure to Improve, for joining me today on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners. Um, join us again on Tip of the Iceberg soon. Bye.